In early 1974, a group of Italian medical students gathered in an autopsy theater. A pathologist stood above an emaciated cadaver ready to solve one of the hospital's most notorious mysteries. Before her death, the patient had suffered from a strange condition that didn't have any apparent cause. She'd experienced tremors and shakes and, bafflingly, an inability to fall asleep. Her doctors had never been able to diagnose her with a specific ailment, but a few speculated she might have succumbed to either a brain tumor or a severe alcoholism. There was only one way to know for sure. See what showed up in her autopsy. So as the audience watched, the doctor sliced her chest and abdomen open. He slipped his hands into the cavity and lifted out her liver. But to his surprise, it showed no sign of alcohol abuse. So the pathologist tested his alternative hypothesis. He opened her skull, expecting to uncover a brain tumor or possibly some suggestion of early onset Alzheimer's. But once again, everything looked perfectly normal. Even when he cut the brain in half, then divided it into sections, it looked fine. Later, he spoke to the woman's family to discuss his findings, or rather, his lack thereof. He had to admit, not only did he still not understand how her disease worked, he didn't even know what had caused it. The news was devastating for her loved ones. His failure to solve the mystery was an effective death sentence for all the women's descendants, because for generations, her family had been cursed with fatal insomnia. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on Fatal Familial Insomnia, or FFI, a mysterious affliction that defied any medical explanation for decades. Patients were physically unable to get quality sleep until finally they dropped dead. Today, we'll meet the family that suffered from the strange medical curse. We'll explore the first suspected case to be documented and track the way the illness struck each of his descendants until one couple resolved to cure the ailment once and for all. Next time, we'll follow the scientists who discovered the key that might unlock FFI's secrets. We'll track their efforts to use that finding to search for a cure, all while their patients' lives hung in the balance. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. While its political influence began to decline in the early 1700s, Venice remained a jewel of Europe. It was renowned for its architecture and dizzying canals, and the Venetian state, which included the city of Padua, was a continental hub for medical and scientific research. And there, a doctor who we'll call Lorenzo lived in an opulent house beside the water. Lorenzo lived a charmed life. He had property in the hills outside of Venice and a loving wife. But as science writer D.T. Max explains in his book, The Family That Couldn't Sleep, A Medical Mystery, the summer of 1764 may have brought with it an unwelcome change of fortune. Lorenzo grew tired, achy, ill. Now there is very little information available about his case, but we do know this. Despite his years of medical expertise, he had no idea what was causing his suffering. And we can assume he was tired, because no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't catch a decent night of sleep. During the Enlightenment, what we know today as insomnia was seldom studied or even discussed by medical professionals. When it came to the science of sleep, the most turned-to books were those of ancient Greek physicians and philosophers. For example, in the 4th century BCE, Aristotle supposed sleep was nature's balancing act. He claimed every living thing that spent any time awake, quote, must be capable of sleeping. But over a thousand years later, Lorenzo seemed to be an exception to that rule. Whenever he laid down, he could doze lightly, but never achieve a state of deep rest. And when he got out of bed the next morning, he was just as tired as he'd been the night before. Whatever sleep-like state he managed to achieve, it hadn't restored him the way a full night of rest should have. And his symptoms apparently only grew worse from there. Eventually, his exhaustion caught up with him. Again, we don't have extensive information about his symptoms, but we can make some assumptions based on what we do know about fatal insomnia. According to a nonprofit organization called the Sleep Foundation, disorders like Lorenzo's can cause an elevated heart rate and blood pressure, temperature fluctuations, and excessive sweating. But these ailments are only one piece of the puzzle. Long-term sleep deprivation can also inhibit a person's ability to think. We can infer Lorenzo struggled to pay attention to his day-to-day -day chores or to remember basic facts. He might have had wild mood swings, or he may have even lost the ability to speak. This was far more serious than the drowsiness you feel after an occasional all-nighter. 
His sleeplessness prevented him from living his life. Around town, people thought Lorenzo was dying from a lack of sleep. Though there had been stories about such cases, many were baffled by the idea sleeplessness could kill anyone. Furthermore, experts believed life without sleep was a medical impossibility. After several days of being awake, anyone would involuntarily collapse into unconsciousness. It wasn't possible for someone to stay awake long enough to trigger such severe symptoms. In lieu of any credible explanations, the physicians likely looked for answers in one of the top medical theories of the day, that of the four humors, blood, yellow bile, black bile, and phlegm. They needed to stay in a delicate proportion to one another, or else an imbalance would cause sickness. But blood was considered the most potent of the humors, so bleeding was a popular cure-all for all sorts of different ailments. Doctors at the time may have used leeches, or they may have bled Lorenzo the old-fashioned way, by slicing open a vein and letting the blood ooze out of his arm. Bloodletting was already controversial before Lorenzo's time, but in the century that followed, it would lose much of its popularity because of questions about its effectiveness. Either way, whatever treatments Lorenzo received didn't help. And in 1765, just a year after his symptoms first appeared, he died. But even then, his doctors didn't know what had made him so sick. Well after his passing, a young man, possibly Lorenzo's nephew, is thought to have taken over the family's estate. And along with the properties and wealth, he inherited his uncle's sickness. He declined and then passed away, and his children also succumbed to the illness. So did their children as well. But as the generations passed, one member of the family decided she'd had enough. She was going to get to the root of the mysterious affliction, so long as it didn't kill her first. Coming up, an investigation into the deadly insomnia. We all have grief and traumas in our life, but that doesn't mean they have to control us. Hi, I'm David Kessler, host of Healing with David Kessler. For most of us, our instinct is to hide our pain and never discuss it. But as a grief and loss expert, I'm here to tell you without a doubt that talking is healing. Anger, abuse, guilt, shame. They're all part of grief and trauma. Healing with David Kessler gets to the root of these issues, shares tips for persevering, and reveals that behind every dark emotion lies wisdom and hope. Loss and trauma may seem overwhelming, but healing is possible and I'm here to help. Healing with David Kessler is a Spotify original from ParCast. Hear a new episode every Tuesday, free and only on Spotify. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Now back to the story. In the 1700s, a Venetian doctor suffered from persistent sleeplessness that seemed to cause uncontrollable shaking, fevers, and mental incapacitation. After he died, many of his descendants, who we'll call the Mattiello family, also succumbed to the strange illness. In 1894, Pietro Mattiello, thought to be the doctor's distant grandnephew, was born. And throughout his childhood, Pietro couldn't escape the long shadow of his family's curse. By the time he was 19, three of his relatives had already died of the malady. Even though he didn't have any symptoms yet, the disease impacted his day-to-day life. Few women were willing to partner with a man who might pass a deadly condition onto her descendant. So his love life was nearly non-existent. But finally, in 1920, he married. And eventually, the couple had five children. But their timing couldn't have been worse. The aftermath of World War I and an economic depression left Italy in a state of upheaval. To make matters worse, in 1943, he grew feverish, weak, and tired. But he couldn't sleep deeply. A doctor diagnosed him with an ear infection and put him on bed rest. However, as the only adult male in their household, Pietro needed to work to provide for his family, and he couldn't do that lying in bed. The Mattiellos gritted their teeth through the worst of his illness, and eventually his infection cleared. But his sleeplessness did not. Sometimes he was able to close his eyes and rest, but these periods never lasted long. He often complained his palms tingled from an unending pins and needles feeling. Pietro knew exactly what that meant. He'd watched his father die after a similar bout of insomnia and restlessness in the 1910s. And he knew how the affliction followed his family. He feared his time was drawing to an end. And yet he never spoke of his concerns. As a traditional family, the Mattiellos probably saw illness as a sign of weakness. Perhaps if they didn't talk about it, it would go away. But he didn't need to say a word for his children to know how troubled Pietro was. His son Silvano watched his father suffer night after night, drenched in sweat while his pulse raced. When Pietro tried to sleep, his arms and legs jerked so violently, the family could hear his bed clattering from the floor below. By that May, it couldn't be denied any longer. Pietro needed help. His wife and daughter took the patriarch to a hospital in Venice, where experienced doctors could examine him. The physicians guessed the tremors and fevers stemmed from a spinal injury, so they ordered x-rays of his spine. They also analyzed his blood and fluids for possible viruses. But none of their tests revealed anything. All the doctors could do was select an ailment that roughly fit his symptoms. But even this strategy had its flaws. Pietro's condition didn't closely match any known illness. So they made their best guess. Pietro had encephalitis, an inflammation of the brain. This would explain his fevers and the stiffness in the neck. But he never had one of the disease's most common symptoms, headaches. Nevertheless, the doctors suggested Pietro go home and recover. But in private, 
They told his oldest daughter he'd be dead in months. Just like before, the family largely chose not to talk about Pietro's prognosis. But they could see the signs. He grew feeble and skeletal. He still couldn't sleep. Pietro was dying. Everyone knew it. On June 18, 1944, a priest visited Pietro to perform his last rites. By now, his tongue and belly were swollen. His eyes were locked open as if he'd seen a ghost. Each and every breath was labored. The priest was accustomed to seeing people through the last moments of life, and he knew Pietro didn't have long. He was right. The next morning, Pietro passed away. He was only 49. Over the next few days, relatives came to the Matiello's home. While the rest of the family paid their respects, Pietro's son, Silvano, hid upstairs. The 13-year-old was too young to handle the grief in his home. But although he was young, he matured into a capable breadwinner. He had to financially support his sisters and mother in his father's absence. When Silvano reached adulthood, he never married. Instead, he shared an apartment with his also single sister, Asunta. Perhaps they never settled down because they feared passing on the family curse. Or maybe Silvano wanted to enjoy his bachelorhood after he'd spent his teenage years as the man of the family. These days, Silvano enjoyed going out dancing, and he dressed well while enjoying the attention his good looks brought him. But he could never fully let loose. The threat of the family curse loomed. Over the years, Silvano repeatedly shared the same joke with an old friend, saying if he ever made it to 55, he'd be set for life. But when the family curse struck, it afflicted his 48-year-old sister first. In 1973, Asunta suffered an intense dizzy spell. She immediately knew what was going on. Every family member who'd succumbed to the curse began by experiencing vertigo, a stiff neck, and glazed eyes. Within a few weeks, she had all these symptoms. Worst of all, every night she'd toss and turn. She couldn't sleep. It didn't take long for her exhaustion to get to her, and a sense of dread settled over the rest of the household. Silvano knew what would come next, and as much as he worried about his doomed sister, he also feared for his niece, Lizzie. Lizzie had always been a bit of a fireball. She was sharp, thoughtful, and interested in the sciences. But she was also very young, and Asunta had helped raise her. She shouldn't have to watch her aunt wither and die before her eyes. That said, she was no wilting flower either. Lisi had trained as a nurse and knew quite a bit about medicine, even if she didn't understand the root causes of her aunt's decline. As for Asunta, she remembered how helpless the doctors had been during her father's illness. She didn't want to waste her final days in hospitals or exam rooms. But eventually, her symptoms became so severe, her family checked her into medical facilities, first in the town of Dolo, and then in the larger city of Padua. As her symptoms worsened, she lost the ability to walk. All the while, she seemed to understand perfectly what was happening to her. 
And during her stay, Asunta became a sort of celebrity. Nobody knew what caused her shakes, sweating, and insomnia, but several doctors wanted to figure it out. So the entire neurology team watched Asunta closely for the next few months, right until she died at the age of 49. By the time she breathed her last, Asunta had withered away. She only weighed 75 pounds. And even though she'd passed on, her body still held intrigue for her doctors. Perhaps they could finally determine what was wrong via a post-mortem exam. As Asunta was rolled into the autopsy theater, curious neurologists and med school students squeezed into the viewing area. Many were there to watch medical history be made or to flesh out their knowledge of biology. But one attendee had a personal connection to the case. An internal medicine doctor named Ignazio was married to Lizzie Mattiello. He didn't want to lose his wife to the strange curse. And he seemed to be in the best possible position to finally cure the ailment. Between his formal training and Lizzie's interest in medicine, the couple had all the right skills to unlock the disease's secrets together. So Ignazio watched from the autopsy theater while the pathologist made incision after incision. But no matter how deeply he cut, he couldn't find any clues to explain what had killed the woman who couldn't sleep. When a patient's cause of death is still unknown, it's critical for pathologists to preserve as much of the relevant organs as possible. This way, they can perform more tests if the post-mortem exam is inconclusive. But when the initial examination of her brain offered no leads, the pathologist just kept cutting, damaging the valuable tissue. Maybe he was too focused on trying to solve the mystery in the moment. Sadly, his efforts were all for nothing. The doctor couldn't determine what had killed Asunto. He landed on the same prognosis that had ended up on her father's death certificate familial encephalitis of indeterminable origin. As the medical students filed out of the viewing area, they likely felt disappointment. But Ignazio walked away with a deep sense of resolve. He and Lisi would break the family curse. They'd figure out how the disease worked and then cure it. But the clock was ticking. Five years after Asunta's death, her sister, Purina, died in 1979. Then, four years later, Lisi's uncle came down with these sadly familiar symptoms. They set in shortly after he witnessed an armed bank robbery. Perhaps the stress of the crime triggered his condition. Afterward, his pulse raced. He sweated profusely. Once, Silvano had loved to go out dancing. But now, he was too unwell to leave home at all. Silvano had once joked he'd be set for life if he only made it to age 55. Now, he was 53. If he wanted to survive long enough to fulfill his own prediction, Ignazio and Lisi needed to act fast. Coming up, Silvano's doctors make a game-changing breakthrough. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? 
Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now back to the story. For years, fatal insomnia killed Silvano Matteo's family members. It struck down two of his sisters, Assunta and Pirina. And in 1983, 53-year-old Silvano finally contracted the illness. He refused to waste away in the same hospital his siblings had died in. He continued to work and live as close to a normal life as possible. For nine months, he pushed through dizziness, fevers, and exhaustion. A little less than a year after Silvano first became ill, in February 1984, his niece Lizzie and her husband Ignazio persuaded him to seek medical help. Ignazio likely thought his medical connections would force practitioners and researchers to take Silvano's symptoms seriously. So their uncle agreed to see a doctor. But when Ignazio told his superiors his uncle suffered from a condition he called total insomnia, they laughed in his face. Even after Asunta's case had made waves in her hospital, many medical professionals thought it was impossible for a patient to stay awake for such an extended period of time. Ignazio soon realized he'd never get the support he needed if he was honest with his colleagues. So instead, he lied. He told the other doctors Silvano had dementia and needed an EEG to identify what was happening in his brain. The cover story worked. In one early session, Ignazio was able to record Silvano's brain activity for 30 minutes. The results defied their understanding of the brain. A normal resting patient might generate relatively rhythmic waves that rise and fall at a consistent frequency. But Silvano's patterns were harsh, jagged scratches, which resembled neither sleep nor wakefulness. He was caught somewhere in between, and the doctors had no idea what that meant. Lizzie and Ignazio needed more information. So they brought Silvano to the University of Bologna, where a sleep clinic team interviewed Silvano about his troubles. He explained he'd seen his father and two sisters pass away from the same condition. He knew exactly how he would die. When the neurologist tried to placate him with promises of cures and therapy, Silvano cut him off, saying, I assume you'll want the brain when it's time? He was convinced the doctors wouldn't be able to do anything for him. And he was adamant that he'd meet his death on his own terms. He stubbornly lived as normal a life as he could from the hospital. He wore black silk pajamas with a folded handkerchief in his pocket. On good days, he'd read and receive visitors. But at night, he screamed in agony and thrashed about in bed. Behind the scenes, 
Everyone was working overtime to understand what was happening to Silvano. They examined his EEG results and gathered new data. And eventually, one of the physicians noticed something they had likely assumed was impossible. On rare occasions, Silvano fell into a version of REM sleep, the state of sleep where the eyes quickly move side to side and brain activity increases. During this time, it's very difficult for a person to wake up, and their body should be completely immobile. But Silvano could actually move quite freely. Sometimes he even walked around while in REM sleep. He was also observed combing his hair and giving a military salute, all when his body should have been motionless. In addition, Silvano plunged in and out of REM at random. Nearly everyone in the world eases into REM sleep, first passing through three stages of non-REM sleep. And since he rushed through the earlier stages, it seemed he never experienced restful slumber. In other words, he was sleeping without any of the benefits. The discovery was staggering, but the doctors still didn't know why Silvano's sleep process was so unusual. And if they didn't understand the cause of his illness, they couldn't treat or cure it. All the clinic could do was observe and document Silvano's final days. After a few short months in the summer of 1984, the ever-proud Silvano died. His journey was over, but the curse still loomed over the Mattiello family. Lizzie tracked her mother's sleeping habits. She reached out to distant relatives who she'd never met. She documented causes of death and different mental health conditions, often brought on by unusual circumstances. Maybe some of these strange cases were related to her family's illness, or perhaps they had nothing to do with it at all. Either way, Lizzie wanted to document everything. Meanwhile, her husband Ignazio charmed his way into churches around Venice. He played the organ, and he'd convince priests to show him their instruments. Then, once he was alone, he'd sneak into the local archives to take pictures of birth, death, and marriage records for Lizzie's family tree. But their most important clue lay within Silvano's brain. The pathologist mailed it to a neuropathology lab in the United States. There, the doctors followed a hunch they had about a small structure near the brainstem called the thalamus. At the time, scientists knew that the thalamus was involved in the regulation of bodily processes we normally think of as automatic, such as temperature control and sweating. When the doctors cut out the structure to examine it, they found black, star-shaped clusters of seemingly dead tissue. While the rest of the brain appeared relatively healthy, this one small section was severely damaged. This explains some of Silvano's symptoms, like the sweating and the shaking. But they still didn't know why the victim couldn't sleep. Nor did they have any idea how this condition could be passed on from one generation to the next. Most of all, they couldn't figure out what had killed the brain tissue, the death of which appeared to have triggered the disease in the first place. But the doctors had an inkling of an idea. They were aware of a strange condition that was first documented around the time of World War I. 
Patients seemed agitated or drunk, even if they hadn't had a sip of alcohol. And like the condition that afflicted the Mattiello family, this ailment killed its victims. It was eventually named Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, or CJD, but nobody knew what caused it. Silvano's medical team hoped the fatal insomnia and CJD might be treatable, or at least better understood if the right doctors unlocked the disease's secrets. But they needed more support. So to draw attention to the Mattiello's disorder, they named it Fatal Familial Insomnia, or FFI. Unfortunately, few medical professionals took any notice of the baffling affliction. Even worse, journalists wrote about the family curse with sensational headlines like, Help me, we're dying of insomnia. The general public took the devastating illness as a joke, especially after news outlets compared fatal familial insomnia to mad cow disease. One night, some young pranksters gathered around Lizzie and Ignacio's home and mooed at the bedroom window. The couple wanted the world to cure the disease that had plagued their family, not bully them over it. So in spite of the cruel jokes, they kept investigating. Around 1990, two distant cousins fell sick, and Lizzie convinced them both to undergo examinations in Bologna. This proved to be a massive break in the case. Not only did the doctors know what to look for now, but for some reason, these patients seemed to deteriorate at a slower rate than previous instances of FFI in the family. This allowed the medical team to examine their patients at the very beginning of their decline and track their progression to their inevitable deaths. When pathologists later examined their brains, they found solid evidence connecting fatal familial insomnia and Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. It was a crucial discovery, and it meant they'd finally closed in on the source of the Mattiello curse. And their research would reframe everything the medical community knew about certain types of diseases. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with part two on this strange disease. For more information on fatal familial insomnia, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Family That Couldn't Sleep, A Medical Mystery by DT Max, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Motion, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Amber Hurley and Angela Jorgensen. Fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Hi, I'm David Kessler, host of Healing with David Kessler. As an expert on grief and loss, I know 
that healing doesn't mean forgetting or getting over the trauma. It means that the trauma no longer controls you. Join me each week for insights on how to find peace and learn how it's possible to persevere through anything. Healing with David Kessler is a Spotify original from Parcast. Listen every Tuesday, free and only on Spotify.